tonight what can you do right now you can like comment and subscribe like comment and subscribe let me tell you something if you're watching this podcast right now i want you to screenshot it and then i want you to share it on your social media because i just believe if you share it somebody else might watch it i don't hear nobody tonight but i'm super excited i have my guy my friend my brother my friend tour i mean the Derek logan is in the building bishop is what i call him it's great to be here. Thank you for I'm, having I'm me. I'm just, oh my God. We've we're been doing hanging. this in person now. We're, we're in person. You've been here like every season. It's not an Instagram it's, thing. Yes, it's not, not Instagram, Zoom, not Zoom. Skype, whatever. You're here. I'm here. I mean, you're a real friend. A lot of people say like, oh, I'm going to come to your podcast. And like, they go, they, they come on. They come on. But you literally drove here. And well, we've hung out for a day. We got to hang out. Literally. Are you tired it's of me yet? No, man. I'll this be honest. Been, it's been refreshing. Okay. It really has. Because I, I know I can tire people. I got. I've, I've only got about two hours left of my capacity, and then I got. I got to hit. Oh the my room. god, Dilo! <laughs> well, I'm like, I, I recharge, so I probably will recharge. Yeah, and like be ready to go back to corporate tomorrow. It's been great, but I, 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 I love you. Time. Yeah, you're my I brother. You. I, you make me think, and uh, I'm just super excited you're here tonight. Uh, I'm going to be having a discussion with Derek. He's one of my friends. Uh, but, you know, sometimes I feel like we're, when you're friends with people, like you might be in different seasons. And he's more like a friend tour, like a friend that's a mentor to me. Uh, he is uh, technically like one of my college professors who has just turned into a friend who has, yeah, just been amazing to me. And uh, he's just wise, thought-provoking, and uh, it's going to be great. But before we get there, i got to thank my partners. All right. I want to thank CrossFit Social City for being one of my partners for season... What season are we in? We're in season three. Oh, my gosh. I want to thank y'all. Make sure you go check them out. They're a strength training gym. They have amazing workout. Like, they're just the bomb. Like, I love working out there. They're my people. Pull up on them. Tell them Ray Nall sent you. If you want to get your body tight and right, you need to be with Omar and Avi at CrossFit social city all right and i work at another gym but they don't sponsor this podcast so i i, I won't uh be saying their name but yeah I, lo- I love crossfit social city that was no shade it's just the truth uh and yeah you just don't want to be talking but i do teach a class at a gym called 103 yoga and uh i will talk about that for me because i want you to pull up to my class on a tuesday at 6 16 a.m if you want to hang out with me it sounded really shady what i just said but hey i, I didn't mean any shade by it but I said what I said. All right. Thank you for the love. They are one of my friends, my partners. They are uh, uh, literally on the in the arts district on Main Street. Oh, my gosh. An amazing, amazing clothing store. They have some other cool things. Like, they're my friends. I love them. Their store is amazing. I shop there. And you just need to check them out. They're on Main Nate Street. Nate are the real. They're the real deal. They are the real deal. They are the real deal. Yeah. They are the bomb.com. It's been really cool getting yeah. to spend a little bit of time with those Come guys. On. Really cool people. They're real. Like, literally, yeah. they're amazing. Yeah. I knew that, like, y'all would hit it off because y'all are very similar. You knew it. I just knew it. Y'all are very smart people, very, you know, mind, intuitive people. Yeah. I knew it. I knew it'd be great. All right. There are two ways to support this podcast. I can't get my words out. I'm just so excited Derek is here. All right. Subscribe and share. It's totally free. 
subscribe and share it. I said screenshot while you're listening and share it to somebody. It's totally free. Help a brother out. I mean, it is hard out here for these podcasters. Share it. And then you can give and receive. Y'all, I'm trying to do season four. And let me tell you something. You know how much money I have raised for season four? I have $0 raised. So I need you to help me. It's NSFC Podcast on Venmo, on Cash App, on PayPal. PayPal me, the NSFC Podcast. And if you want to give via Zelle, we have Zelle and it's the Not Safe for Church Podcast at gmail.com. The Not Safe for Church Podcast at gmail.com. So yes, all those ways are ways you can support this podcast financially. And uh, man, I'm trying to do a season four and I'm, I'm going to do a season four, but man, it'll be amazing um, if you guys can help and uh, help put your brother on. All right. So we're getting into today's episode. I feel like my announcements were a little long. It was like a black church in here, but um, we're going to get into this podcast, this episode. Uh, my topic today is really uh, dissecting the brain of one of the greatest thinkers I know. Uh, Derek Logan and uh, I'm just super excited he's here and I don't just say that I think a lot of times you know you can hype people up and you're like oh they're this 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 but I have experienced it and I know uh, Derek to just be an amazing uh, thought-provoking thinker and I'm just super excited to have you here Uh, as as my friend a lot of times people say they will walk with you through things and that they will be there and uh, you've done that and uh, I'm so grateful uh, a lot of times people give you advice and then when you live in their advice, they're nowhere to be found, but you're still here and very present. And it means a lot to me. And I thank you because I know you don't have to, you don't have to answer those Marco Polos. You don't have to be present. Uh, I don't, you know I mean? Like you're not getting anything. I mean, yeah, you were getting a, a friendship out of this, but you're not, you know what I mean? Like I'm not doing anything to put you on or help you. Like you're just my friend just because, and uh, it means a lot. And I'm grateful. I love you. It's an honor to do this with you. It's great to be your friend. It's very, it's rewarding on this side too, man. So I'm, I'm happy that our paths have converged for this long season. And I hope that we've got a lot more years. Ahead. I know we got a lot more year ahead. Okay, please. You're, yeah. you're a real one. If you made it this, I like you make it this far with me. I mean, I'm not going nowhere. Yeah. Praise the Lord. But anyways, uh, Derek, um, I want you to tell the people who you are, tell them where you're from, uh, and uh, what you do, yeah, give the people some knowledge about Derek D'Lo. I just want to say all the names so people know when I'm saying it tonight. If I switch names, like, they'll know. There you go. Yeah. Derek Logan, I am from Phoenix, Arizona. Period. Um, I have a beautiful wife, Kim. Oh, I love Kim. Grrr. Kim is fun. I love her. Uh, we'll celebrate 20 years this year, man. Oh, my gosh. June. I can yeah. barely last with somebody for Couple 20 months. minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, so, I don't like you no more. <laughs> yeah, it just it just occurred to Kim, oh, this is the 20th, like just like this past week. So it's what happens when you get these many years Wait, in. so that was last year when you when y'all went to New York? That was we, For her birthday last year. Okay, okay, year okay. I was that. like, that was an yeah. anniversary. Yeah. And uh, we have three great kids. Period. My son Jude is 14. Um, Emmy is 13. Kate's 11. They're, they're fantastic. Yeah. We are very talented. Kim and I are really... They're great kids and budding young adults. And, you know, we don't feel equipped for this season of, of parenting and, and life in general. It's a lot of, it's been a lot of flux for us the last few years, but um, in the, amidst the uncertainty and all that stuff, I'm just like the luckiest guy in the world. We we're lucky to have each other and, and life is good, man. Yeah. I mean, and I want to say this, you're one of your, some, one of your, at least one of your kids going to be on Broadway. 
And I want to say that I said it first. Yeah. So when, when they make it, they can play this video because yeah. I don't delete the videos. I'm going to show them this clip. Literally. And all three will smile because yes. there's like, oh, he's talking the, about One, me. I don't know which one it's going to be, <laughs> but one of them is going to be on Broadway. Yeah. And you know, when you a real brother or sister, you're going to help your other brother and sister up. You're going to bring them up. Once yeah. you make it, you got to be like, I got a sister. I got a brother who yeah. can do the same thing and the yeah. same family, the same blood. Let me put them on. There you go. Period. Yeah. Okay. Keep it in the family. All right. And then you, you know, you want work. You don't have to work. You just live your best life watching kids on Broadway. Well, yeah, I like the work that I'm doing. Okay. So I hope I get to work the rest of my life, but, um, my kids are great and that, yeah, yeah. To your point, they've got bright futures ahead of them and we're lucky, man. We're so, we're so grateful for what we've got. Come on. I love yeah. that. All right. D-Lo, okay, so we, me, and, me, and, me and Derek talk about a lot of things. I mean, if you saw our Marco Polos, I mean, that could be a book in itself. It could be called, like, the Marco Polos of a, um, a ex-Pentecostal deconstructed, and what would you consider yourself? Like, what would be your nickname? Oh, goodness. You're putting I, me on the spot. I don't know. I mean, you've, you've, you've done a we've, lot. We've talked about... A lot. There's, it's, been, it's a broad spectrum of topics that goes a lot of different directions Literally. for sure. Yeah. yeah. So I think my first question tonight is we were talking about the idea of deconstruction and you were saying you didn't really like the word reconstruction, right? You were saying like, it's a little, it just sounds a little weird. And I want uh, you to break down when it comes to a lot of Christians are living in this deconstruction and when you hear the word deconstruction and reconstruction, what does that mean to you? I, I guess I probably, I'm less of a fan, kind of a, even the word deconstruction. I think the, for me, mm-hmm. like the best word is an audit. Okay. Like I am re-examining, or maybe for some folks, like we're examining for the first time, some of the faith claims of the world that we were born into or these, you know, this tradition that we sort of inherited and all of the sort of functional aspects of the tradition, the claims, the the doctrine, the dogma, like I'm re-examining all of those things yes. and determining, auditing them and determining if they still have a place in my life and what my place is within that tradition as I'm going through that process. It's, we're kind of just playing in a semantics game. It's just words. But um, I feel like the we do need something on the other end of that spectrum. So I think if you, for those of us who have walked through this sort of journey of deconstructing our, uh, of deconstructing our faith, and there's a lot of, you know, social media accounts, influencers in this space, you know, hashtag deconstruction <laughs> or exvangelical is, you know, is one. Yeah. It's a space where there's a lot of people who have an identity of what they are not or what they are no longer or what they used to be. Yes. So it's a little bit of like a negative sort of identity. And I I think the reconstruction thing is trying to, oh, well, then the opposite of that or like the next step after you do that is to reconstruct. Um, I'm not really, I don't have a suggestion for what that other word might be. Um, Yet, but I do think that folks in that space, there's been this big movement of people that have been doing this. Um, having for those folks to find kind of a positive identity yeah. in the midst of that, not just saying that that those that there are not folks that are doing that in you know in their own in their own way, but 
um, by and large, folks that have gotten, who have participated in some extent of, within that movement, have found yeah. identity in that movement. Um, I think it would be helpful if we could collectively try to find a, a positive identity as we're continuing to re-examine these ideas and our place within the tradition. Um, yeah. Do you think you found a positive, a positive idea for yourself? Yeah. I mean, I'm discovering it. I, you know, it's a, that's an ongoing process, but it's new, it's new territory. At, yeah. at least it's new territory for me because I grew up in a world where my, my parents, my grandparents, my family, I, I, I was immersed in the church, evangelical church world. Yeah. That was my identity. And now I'm very much living in a, a post evangelical sort of life and space, but I don't have a game plan for that. I don't have a roadmap for those things. So um, I'm trying, you know, it's been 10 or 11 years of like trying to figure out and negotiate with, with that, like what that could look like and what that, yeah, just trying to find a, a path forward. So would you say that you're centered on something? Like what's your, what's like, if you don't have a, a roadmap or a game plan and you, and, and you, you know, you're dissecting everything what it, what are you centered on? Good question. I'm, there are aspects of the tradition that I come from that, uh, or components to it that I still resonate deeply with. Okay. Um, so I think for me, it's sifting those things, putting, putting those things kind of through the gauntlet, really testing, you know, one of the things you've heard me say a million times is, you know, truth thrives under scrutiny. Really, this for me is a, it's a journey in pursuit of truth. Yeah. Like capital T truth. And I don't think that that's a journey with a clear cut destination. Yeah. I think the point is to be on that journey. Um, so there are aspects of the tradition that I come from that I resonate deeply with, but yeah. then there's complications with those things. Um, I find a lot of resonance with the Bible itself. Okay not in the way that the Bible was used or represented totally in the world that I came from, but over the last 10 years or so, it has been getting more familiar with how to engage with that text on its own terms, mm -hmm. not through the lens or the mechanisms of the tradition that represented it to me. That feels like a little, there's a lot to unpack in that sort of statement there. But um, as I've gotten more familiar with how to engage the Bible in its terms contextually, asking questions like about like authorial intent. So the people who wrote these things or where yeah. these things originated, what did this mean to the author that wrote this? And how would the original audience have understood these things? Yeah. And, and it's, it's, you're getting into linguistics and, and all of these things, setting aside translation and, and doctrine and all the ideas that are kind of... Um, tied in with the text and just trying to get to what is the text trying to offer me aside, you know, setting these ideas aside. What if I engage with it on its terms as, as contextually and as objectively as I can, what is it that the Bible has to offer me and learning how to do that ha and having others be a guide for me as I'm, as I'm navigating and negotiating my way through the, through the text has been really compelling. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of road signs that yeah. are pointing toward on this journey of the truth. Right. And it's not the signs that were represented to me. Um, yeah. So do you think the Bible is different than 
because you said how it was used in the tradition, so used in the the faith spaces that you were in. So, do you believe the original intent of the Bible is different than how it is being used in faith spaces today? In my experience, yes. In the evangelical world that I grew up in, um, it there's not you don't you don't hear people talking about what the you know. That you don't hear people talking like this within that world. In my experience, maybe there are they branch, are, but not of, not out loud, not on a podcast. Yeah, like they're when they're talking about the Bible, when they're preaching from a pulpit at a church or things like that, they are representing an ideology about the Bible, and so there are whole there's a whole narrative about what the about what the Bible means that yeah. they're representing as, and they think it's not malicious, like. I think that they think that they are representing a an honest, true representation of that text. But yeah. if you start digging at some of those ideas and those pieces of doctrine, you realize that they're informed by th- extra biblical influences. Yeah. People, you know, other other thinkers that have come yeah. before, and they get intertwined and embedded into even the translations, the Christian English translations that you yeah. and I read and are familiar with. Um, they get cooked into those sort of things. So even the Bible that you might have sitting on your bookshelf or your nightstand um, already has a lot of those assumptions, those pre- presuppositions about how the world works cooked into the text of the yeah. Bible. Something, those ideas that are not native to the authors that yeah. wrote the text or the audience that it was originally intended for. Um, but and we're not any the wiser for it, you know. So it it takes it's it's some heavy lifting, kind of yeah. kind of working your way into that stuff, at least initially. So, do you not look at the Bible as like you know how people say like it's basic instructions before leaving the earth? No. <laughs> do I look at the Bible that way? Yeah, I mean, because that's what I grew up in Sunday school. They call it basic instructions before leaving the earth. It's just a clever acronym. I mean, it's a good example of. The, the sort of thing. But you that love the word. But you did. love the Bible, right? When you yes. say, I, but, yes. but you wouldn't say you believe that it's basic instruction before leaving the earth. There's so many presuppositions baked into that statement. Like before, like just the end of it. Like let's start at the end. Like before leaving Earth. Okay, so it seems as though that yeah. that statement is assuming that all of this is really not about what's happening in the here and now. But this is what I need are instructions before I leave planet Earth. Yeah. This before I leave this world. This the point of the whole thing is to make sure that I've got things shored up on Earth so that when the spaceship leaves and I and I depart, like then you know, like I so that whole ideology about like, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not living for this world. I'm living for Heaven, I'm living, you know, I'll, you know, the old heaven, I'll, like, I'll fly away. Now, like, now D-Law, I do want to say, you know me, I am very, um, I want to say like, I'm a Bible scholar. Um, I mean, I would say in my own, I, would, you know, I wouldn't say that. Let me, I don't want to say that just because I'm on a podcast. Like I was going to lie and be like, oh, I think I'm a Bible. No. Um, but I don't, I don't always see things the way you do. Or I mean, I just choose to, I guess I just choose to believe that <laughs> I will fly away, fly away one day and be in heaven with Jesus. Okay. I yeah. want to be caught up in a rapture. Yeah. Hold on, both shut up. And that's a fun, like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. We we can be. That doesn't. That's fine with me if you yeah. want. If you want to adopt those things, um, 
I would take issue if you were coming to me and saying, Derek, that's what the Bible teaches. That's what the Bible, or that's what the Bible says, or the audience of the Bible thought about God and the universe and life on earth and the afterlife in this way. I would, I would take issue with that. So what what would you say? Like, you don't, what would you say then? Do you believe that like, we'll fly away, we'll be in heaven one day and. I don't know. Like. But doesn't it talk about that? Does it talk about what? Like that the afterlife? Bible. Yeah. Not a whole lot, man. Like, Don't they say the streets are paved with gold? There's a lot of... You can, you can represent the Bible to support these sort of ideas of some illustrious afterlife for the, those that are chosen or Hallelujah. those that have prayed the prayer or whatever. <laughs> you know, the sinner's prayer is a really prominent idea in the evangelical world that has zero biblical basis like where does that even come from accepting jesus christ as your lord and savior that's a fine idea like i'm not even taking issue with the idea it's but let's acknowledge it for what it is it's like it's an extra biblical idea it's an idea that comes from something other than the than the biblical text so i'm not so interested in debating those sort of ideas but and I'm not even suggesting that you need to discard those ideas. Yeah, Those ideas are those, that's fine. But what it, what's really interesting to me is intentionally setting those ideas aside. Don't, don't flush them out. Don't yeah. trash them. Set them aside. And let's just engage with the Bible on its terms. What does the Bible have to say? And let's just start there. And just let it, let it speak for itself on its own terms without being informed by the history of the tradition that I came from that has a lot of complications in terms of representing the Bible in some really skewed and inaccurate ways where these ideas, ideas get embedded into the way that the text is represented to us. If can I shed some of that stuff away and set it aside and just engage with the Bible in its terms? I think when you do, you discover something for me that was brand new, like, radically radically different on so many levels and yeah. way more dynamic like way way more compelling yeah way like i'm so much more excited about that sort of thing i use this analogy of um a magic eye book yeah so these magic eye books if you remember there i'm a kid that grew up in the 80s and 90s these were a big deal in the 90s um like a coffee table book open and every page is just these vibrant colors and patterns that don't seem to have any rhyme or reason to them. And on some level, that's all that it is. If you turn every page, there's not any clear image to them. It's just colors and patterns, different colors and patterns on every page. Um, That was like, but if you learn how to see those pages, you realize that it's not just colors and patterns. Really, there's, there's another way to see that. And when you learn how to see it, there's a three-dimensional image, something totally counterintuitive. Like, if you have never experienced this before, you would say it's impossible that something like this could happen until you experience it. And then when you do, it's like undeniable. You learn how to see it, and this three-dimensional image comes off of a two-dimensional page. It's totally counterintuitive, and it's like, holy smokes, like, this is incredible. And then it's like, I got to go back through and look at the whole book. So this has been my experience with the Bible. Okay. Been in church my whole life. First 30 years of my life, 
I I have the colors and the patterns memorized. Yeah. Like I'm I'm I've studied the colors and the patterns like so much. But then it was when I started to learn how to see it. Yeah. That this multidimensionalness from the text just started coming off of the page and you start seeing stories that are interconnected and are playing off of one another. Um, stories that are being retold at a different point in history through a different cast of characters, often in the same family lineage, yeah. but in a more redemptive sort of way. Mm-hmm. It's all of this stuff that's happening in the text that's just below the surface. It's like this multidimensionalness that comes out that's so compelling. And it's like, I know the Bible, but I don't know the Bible at all. Like I'm very familiar with the stories and the surface level, but I'm now only just starting to see what, how to see it, like really how yeah. to see it. And it's a completely different, it's a completely different thing. So what's the point of the Bible then to, to you? Like, what's the point of it? Because I, I feel like growing up, if I'm thinking about how I was taught, it's like basic, instru- like it's my instructions. It's, you know, my guidance, you know, I'm not saying I see the Bible like that today. I see it more as a book of a story of inspiration of, of inspiration. I think the Bible is a book where, uh, it's a book of sacrificial love and that if I live sacrificially, uh, in, in a loving way, then I think that's what God requires of me and I'll do the right thing. I don't, I don't, I'm not too focused about like sin or I, I look at it more as like, man, like Jesus lived a, a sacrificial life. So for you, what would be the point of the Bible? Good question. I'll borrow, I'm going to borrow an answer from a, a, a teacher friend of mine. Okay. Um, when you are engaging in any piece of literature, one of the first, this is actually an, um, an assertion that was made by um, a philosopher and author named Mortimer Adler. Okay. And he wrote a book called How to Read a Book. Yeah. And in that book, he is saying one of the first things that you have to do if you're going to read a piece of literature is to identify the genre of that literature. Mm-hmm. If you don't properly identify the genre, you are going to ask all of the wrong questions about that text. Yeah. So if you read something from the poet Robert Frost, who talks a lot about nature and natural elements in his poetry, and I read that as a biology textbook, I'm going to make all of the wrong assumptions. It's like not the way that you read poetry. So there's certain rules that you engage with different genres of literature. So the question then is, what is the genre of the Bible? Well, it's, that seems complicated on the surface because there are some historical elements. There are some narrative elements. There's some poetry. There's some laws. There's some genealogies. Yeah. There's like, what are, what are all of these things? So this teacher that I've gleaned a lot from, his name is Rabbi David Foreman. Rabbi Foreman suggests that the genre of the Bible is that of a guidebook. So it is, it's, it's, it's there to provide guidance for you mm-hmm. navigating through the world. How do I relate with the earth itself? How do I relate with myself? How do I relate with my family, my fellow yeah. man, my neighbor? How do I relate with the divine? Yeah. The Bible offers a framework for how to, how to, navigate through the universe. It is, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a guidebook that, that genre resonates with me in yeah. my, ex, in my experience with the text. And mm-hmm. it seems, you know, it's not, you don't open the preface of the Bible and it blatantly identifies the genre. We have to, we have to do some of that investigation on our own. So yeah. it, from my point of view, that, 
in my experience with it, like that, that resonates with me. It's a guidebook. So once I understand it's a guidebook, it's going to tell me there may be laws in that book, but those laws are not written to try to legislate my behavior. Those laws are there as a part of a guidebook. There may be historical elements, but those historical elements are not necessarily factual. They're there to guide me, you know? So it's, the Bible's not concerned with trying to articulate literal history as it happened. Yeah. It's telling me a story about something that happened from the posture of a guidebook. Yeah. The posture from a guidebook. The posture. Say that one more time. It's just, it, it, it has all of these other elements in it. You know, it might have poetry, it may have narrative, it may have law, it may have genealogy. But it's telling you all of those things from the point of view of a guidebook. So the Bible starts off with a story, you know, the first chapter of Genesis yeah. is the story of how the world was created in six days and then God rested on the seventh day. Yeah. It, if I understand that in a very literal, fundamental sort of point of view, yeah. I'm reading it as a history book that is representing to me facts about how the world came into existence. Yeah. But in doing that, I'm misappropriating the text because it's not trying to tell me a factual thing that actually happened. It is telling me a story. It's a, a, a historical story mm-hmm. from the position of guidebook. But, okay, I feel like, what is the Bible to Derek Logan? Like, you would say, that, so that's your answer. It's a answer. guide. It's a guide. But I feel like everybody would say that then. I mean, I feel like a lot of Christians are like, oh, yeah, like, uh, it's a, I'm, I use it for a guidebook. So what makes your guidebook different from how they see their guidebook in your perspective from evangelicals? So in my, uh, and I'm, I can only speak from my experience yes. in, in that world. So in my experience, um, there are a lot of ideas that the tradition that I came from within the Christian world imports into and reads into the Bible that are not inherently there. And again, I don't believe this is done maliciously, but this has been, this has been a longstanding part of how the Christian tradition has worked. Yeah. Um, it has become, it's just, it's just something that's been going on since the beginning of that tradition. Yeah. I from, get it. from my, from my point of view. Yes, sir. So when those ideas I'm, when, I, when you start to engage with the text on its terms and you try to just like, I just want to get into the language. I need some help. I don't speak Greek or Aramaic or Hebrew. Like I need some guidance as, as to how to do these sort of things. Yeah. And, you, and, you, and you, you extract the dogma, the doctrinal aspects of these things, and you're just engaging with the text on its terms without trying to draw specific conclusions, but just asking like, what is the Bible trying to represent to us at this, you know, here and, and, and separating it from all the ideas and all the assumptions that I've had about it. It's a different, um, it's a different sort of thing. And when you start researching some of the ideas that, uh, all right, we're talking really abstract. So let me give like a more specific example of this. One of the, um, assumptions of the evangelical world that I was a part of, um, is, that's, that's just cooked into the Bible as it's represented to them is this, the doctrine of original sin. Original sin doctrine essentially is that you and I as human beings are, we have a depraved 
nature, we are inherently flawed and broken and really ultimately don't have any worth or value as human beings apart from a savior. Yeah. Until we accept Jesus, until we embrace that, there is no, we don't have any value and our value is only found in relationship with Jesus. That original sin doctrine is not very old. It would be completely foreign to the audience and the authors of the Bible. So how does that doctrine make its way into our, our tradition and those sort of things? It, is it, is it, and it's, it's cooked into the translation. So if you read an NIV translation, there is a, a Greek word that shows up in the New Testament oftentimes called uh, sarks. Mm-hmm. Sarks means flesh, yeah. like your skin, your flesh. But the NIV translators, and I think in 1984, in, in sections did not translate that word as flesh, but instead translated that word as sinful nature. Yeah. Because in their mind, sinful nature and flesh are synonymous. Mm-hmm. That would be completely foreign to Paul, right? Who's yeah. writing these correspondence letters to these different communities. But it gets baked into the tradition and the way that the Bible's represented to us. Does that help? Yeah. I mean, so do you believe, and I think we talked about this on another podcast, do you believe the Bible is the truth? I believe the Bible has a lot of truth in it, but we have to define what, but then we have to define what truth is. It's not true in terms of facts, Okay. right? And even if you think about facts, Facts are not, facts are easy, easy to manipulate. Mm -hmm. I could, if I wanted to make an assertion about something, Mm -hmm. I could do that from a very like low idea rung sort of position and only show you facts that support the claim that I'm like, whatever sort of claim that I'm making and ignore the facts that would undermine my assertion to you. So facts aren't, it's facts are not truth. And, and, and even particularly in the Bible, like the word in Hebrew for truth is emet, but emet doesn't mean facts. It doesn't mean correct pieces of information. Yeah. Truth in a biblical sense is a relationship word. It's about fidelity, reliability, faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Is the Bible true in that sort of way? I think the Bible point can, if we meet it on its terms, can move us in the direction of truth. Truth being something that is reliable, that works, that is, that is profitable for the common good. Like it's not something that serves me at the cost of other, at at a cost to other people. It is something that elevates life. It is not something that diminishes life. Yeah. But so I feel like me believing that Jesus died on the cross rose on the third day, it elevates life. Great. But would you not agree with that? What was your question? If I believe that Jesus died on a cross and rose on the third day, that that elevates life. That's great. Okay. Well, would you, would you agree with that? Would you say you believe that? I'm not, I don't know. Like, but, so, so what do you, like, I mean, but <laughs> you do know something. What do, what do you, like, what do you know? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, I feel like you're not giving an answer. Okay. Can you ask, maybe I'm misunderstanding your question. So if I believe 
okay, I ask you, do you believe that Jesus died on the cross, rose on the third day, and that do you believe because of that our life is elevated? I think. I, okay, here's here's the here's where. And I want everybody I'm listening not trying to, to sidestep. Go ahead. I want everybody listening to this. No, I am very Jesus for everybody. I don't mean you got to believe and do it all that. I'm just saying, I just always say that. That's what I believe. But I mean, please know this is for everybody. This is how the, this is how the journey's gone for me thus far. Okay. Super. Look, I'm vocational pastor for 15 years, like deeply committed and immersed in that world. And I'm in it. I'm in the game for the love of the game. Like I'm, yeah. I'm into this. I'm into the Jesus guy like i'm i'm all in on this on these things but then the house of cards kind of starts falling as i'm naturally just digging and researching and 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 striving towards truth and i haven't done your research and i respect that i want you to know i and i'm realizing that some of the ways that the bible has been represented to us i'm being shown evidence for the first time in my early 30s like evidence that that pushes up against ideas that I have always assumed to be true, which sends me on this quest of trying to come to terms with the, uh, the reliability of some of these ideas and where, and, and where do these ideas originate? Where do they come from? So in, in doing all of that, I'm realizing that a lot of my assumptions about who Jesus is, what Jesus is saying, what it meant all of those things, they're based on something extra biblical. They're based on something else. So I want to understand, well, what did Jesus mean? Like when he says this, right? I can't even understand. I can't even get to like what Paul or James or Peter, these other guys are, are writing about. Like, let's just go to the gospels. Like, what does Jesus mean when he's saying these things? Yeah. As it turns out, Jesus isn't saying a lot of new things. Like he's not, he's not saying things that have never been said before. But the brilliance that Jesus has and the audiences that he's teaching to is his ability to pull from these different aspects of their, of their religious tradition that yeah. they come from, like what we would understand to be Judaism today. Like he is alluding to different sources, different thinkers, different sages, thoughts, the, the Hebrew Bible itself. Yeah. And he is showing you how these things are connected in a really masterful way. Yeah. So I can't just take what Jesus is saying at face value. I have to, I can't until I understand the source material for those things. I don't, I don't yet understand what Jesus is saying. I'll give you a little illustration for this. It's a little corny. So bear with me. Imagine that you and I are, we got drafted into the armed services. We're in the army. Okay. And we're, (laughs) so it's a, it's a clumsy example, but I think it, but I think it works. Um, you and I are, um, we're sent overseas and Mm -hmm. we're at war with some opposing force in, in Europe and we're fighting alongside of some other allies. So we have, you know, maybe some English troops that are there or French troops or Italian, and we're fighting against a common enemy. Yeah. You know, another, another force. One of our comrades, one of our fellow troops, um, is is wounded, and we mm-hmm. go over to treat him, and he's he's been mortally wounded. We know that this man is not going to survive the yeah. wounds that he's experienced, and you and I kneel beside him, and we're we're tending to him, we're trying to make him comfortable, mm-hmm. and an English soldier comes over, and a French soldier, an Italian soldier, and all five of us are tending to this American soldier who is about to breathe his last breath. 
And in his dying breath, if that soldier uttered the words, my country tis of thee, and then he dies. You and I know what he just said, right? Mm -hmm. You and I understand what he just said. The English soldier knows the language, right? Mm -hmm. And he's hearing the words, but that English soldier doesn't understand what he just said. And even if the French soldier and the Italian soldier understood English, he doesn't really understand what that man just said. Really, only you and I understand what he just said. In that moment, yeah. he's quoting the lyric to a song. Yeah. In that moment, he's declaring his patriotism, right? He's not saying that blatantly, right? I can't take that man's words at face value. I have to understand the context from where they're coming. Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, are they function like that, right? So if I just take them at face value, I'm going to, and not recognize what they are alluding to and what they're pointing to, I'm going to draw a bunch of false assumptions, misinformed assumptions about what he's saying. So if I'm going to understand the words of Jesus, I've got to understand the source material. That points me back to the Hebrew Bible, what you and I would understand to be the Old Testament. And ultimately, it, mm -hmm. puts, it, it points me back to the first five books in particular. Mm -hmm. the, so in the Jewish world, the Torah or the Pentateuch, it, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, that is the epicenter. That is the core. That is the most foundational, fundamental text. When Jesus is saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself, it's not new. Both of those statements, they come from the Torah. I can't understand what Jesus is saying if I don't understand Torah, ultimately is where we get to. Okay. So it, it, this didn't come to me in like, you know, this is the, I'm, I'm summing up what my journey has been, but it's, it's like, I'm trying to come to terms with what Jesus is about and who Jesus is. And I'm realizing that all, I've, I've got all these false assumptions tied to all of those sort of things. So I'm, it's moving me back in that direction. Essentially, now, I haven't left that world yet fully. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm, I haven't emerged on the other side yet because this world, just those first five books, are so rich. They, they are so dense. There is so much happening there. And Jesus is pulling from all of that stuff. So if I'm going to get to Jesus at some point, I can't really get there until I've really camped out here. Like, and I'm still, I'm still camped out there right now. Yeah. I'm still excavating and, and I don't know, I don't know what that, I don't know what that will look like. I'm still very compelled by, and there are still things when I'm studying Torah, there are things that I will, I will read, I will hear. I'm like, oh my, it's like, blow your hair back. Oh, holy smokes. Like this, that's what Jesus meant when he said this. Like, it's given me a whole different framework on the parable of the Good Samaritan, mm -hmm. for instance. Revolutionized the way that I understand that parable. Like, it, and I don't get there until I understand the source material. Understand that source material, not just for Jesus, everyone that Jesus is teaching to. Yeah. This is, their whole life is immersed in that world. So I can't really, I'm not going to, I'm going to make all these false assumptions. I'm, I'm, I'm going to draw false conclusions if I don't understand that stuff first. But once again, couldn't that just how people who are in that evangelical world think things, couldn't you be doing just the same thing? Like you're looking into it, but it's still perspective. 
except there are a lot of ideas that I've totally abandoned that are core tenant, vital, essential pillars of like faith and belief in that world. So it's not, I'm letting go of a lot of, a lot of dogma that is attached to the evangelical tradition that's vital to it. So are you creating your own faith? I'm not trying to create my own faith. I'm just trying to understand the text. But wouldn't they, I, I don't know. I think for me, and, I, and we talked about this earlier, uh, Dilo, you're somebody who goes deeper, right? And for me, I'm a person who I just want to be happy. And like, and when I say happy, I'm not saying I'm going to choose whatever I want. Uh, but I just choose to like, I just think there's some things that we just want to understand. Yeah. And I think for me, I'm okay with not understanding everything and choosing to be like, man, God is so supernatural and so big. I don't have to understand. I just have to trust his plan, trust where he has me and things will work out. Yeah. But sometimes, I don't know, I feel like, can we go, and I feel like this on both ends of the spectrum, can we go so deep that we really miss him? Because maybe he wasn't supposed to be that understood. Maybe he didn't want, like, he don't want you to get him. He's a mystery. He's something I can't explain. Like, yeah, he's indescribable. I, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not trying to sound churchy, but it's just like, I'm like on both ends. Everybody wants to have the right answer. And it's like, why do we have to have the right answer? I'm not trying to get the right answer, first of all. Like, so but if this you're is searching though, right? I'm searching, but I'm just, I'm just on the journey, man. Yeah. So I hope I don't you, sound bad or offensive. No, not at all. Okay. No, I'm, you're my friend. I'm all into it, man. Okay. It's, if you discover that something that you have believed your whole life is wrong okay. or it is based on bad intel, like it's based on, on, it's not based on what you thought it was based on, but it's flimsy, it's light, and it doesn't hold water. I can't continue to hold on to it. If other people, oh, sorry. If other people continue to hold on to it, that's their, that's their parak. Not everybody's on my journey. I would say I, I feel further away today from having a sense of sureness about how the universe works than I did when I was just a tried and true evangelical Christian. I would say I agree. I'm not. I, for myself. I am further away from having answers than I, than I felt like I was 10 or 12, 15 years ago. So I'm not trying to, uh, I think that maybe is a misconception of folks who Yes. Might look at what I'm doing. It's like, oh, Derek's just trying to get the right answers. Yeah. Or what, like, I'm, that's not it. For me, I'm just following the breadcrumbs, right? Like, I'm re it's, it's realizing that I, and I can't play ignorant. You know, yeah. I think of the movie, The Matrix, yeah. the red pill, blue pill. You know, do you want to, you know, you could take the blue pill and everything, and you'll go to sleep and when you wake up tomorrow, you'll forget that this ever happened and you can go back to living in your ignorant existence because yeah. ignorance is bliss, right? It, it really is. is. Or you can take the blue pill or the red pill, maybe getting colors confused, take the red pill and we'll see how deep the I rabbit really, hole goes. Yeah. I could have so, said a joke right there, but I did it. I can't, um, 
I appreciate you not. You know, so, I, I, I know. know what, I know where I, you're yeah, going. I, it's okay. You want to say it? I want to say it because, like, it's you know, you gotta have a little lightheartedness. Do you all day? It's pretty be, pretty heavy. The it whole is time. heavy. It is heavy. Somebody's tell Joe. You know, for me, because I, you know, I don't like to be heavy. I like to have a little. Key, 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 right. key. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah, I feel like man, you know, it feels intense. Yeah. So I, I'm, I, I have to. I can't. From I'm not wired. Your personality. To willfully choose ignorance, like, and I understand that other people aren't wired like I am. And that's okay. Like yeah. maybe other, am I more of a person of faith or whatever than someone who isn't investigating these sort of, th- I'm not trying to qualify anybody else's thing. I just am owning my own human yeah. experience. And for me, if I, if I discover like, and I wasn't trying to upend anything, like I'm trying, you know how I got here? And I, this is the case for, I think for a lot of folks who have really deconstructed, right? Yeah. All of them, all of them is a lot of people. I mean, there's so a lot of many, people. Like it, it, in my experience in talking to my friends and other people, it's like I'm meeting so many people the last few years who are walking this journey. None of them got there because they were trying to dismantle that world. It, yeah. Like, they got there because they were so intensely Christian. They cared so much about it. They were, they wanted to just absorb everything that they could in that yeah. world. They were researching and studying and all of those sort of things. And as it, as it, you know, come to find out, it's like a surefire way for somebody to eventually deconstruct because you realize that a lot of these claims, a lot of these idea, ideas are, they're based on what, what they're rooted in. Yeah. Isn't isn't the Bible the rooted somewhere else? And if you if if you're choosing to try to well, then what does how do I understand that in a more objective, biblically honest sense? Yeah, like it moves you in a different direction. Yeah, and all of a sudden it's like if you're if you're shooting a rocket to the moon and you're off by two degrees, you're going to miss the moon by thousands of miles. Yeah, right. You've got to. It's so it's. It's like that sort of thing. It's a lot. It's two degrees is a very subtle change. Yeah. It's a very subtle, subtle shift. Mm-hmm. It's for me, it's been a lot of subtle shifts, yeah. but my life is continuing to progress. And the evangelical world that I came from is continuing to be the thing that it's always been. And my life is just moving in this different direction. And there's just this tension to a point yeah. where I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm just not that. Any, yeah. Like I'm in a different in my effort to try to be the best version of this, I, I ended up somewhere totally different. Like, and I, would you say that that was, and I might sound super churchy, but I, I feel like you, you can listen to what I'm really trying to say. Do you believe that was spirit led? I hear what you're saying. And I would, yes, it's not the language I would use, but meeting you in your language, a hundred percent. It's not, again, I, it, the way that I got, and look, my story in this way is so many people like this is their, yeah. I mean, that's my story in a way. Like, I mean, I wasn't looking for answers to change or, you know, like I didn't like, you know, I was cool with being whatever the church wanted me to be, but it was just like this big thing in my relationship with God. And I was like, this something ain't right. And then once I started doing the research and I was like, this, this ain't making sense. Like it's not adding up. But I think for me, I guess I'm just a little different and I might 
maybe I'm a selfish Christian. I kind of feel like my relationship with God is so personal that I only want to do the work for me and my my relationship with God. I'm I don't feel like I don't want to say I'm called. I don't feel like I'm called to do the work for everybody. But I feel like you're a person who is willing to help other people do the work. For me, I'm like, I just want to get you to Jesus and you figure everything else out. Yep. Like I I because I, I don't know and I don't really, I mean, I'm trying to get my, you know, this right. I'm just gonna love you and I hope you find your way to whatever it is. I do feel like I have found my way into a frame a new framework. Okay. For engaging with a lot of the same, like the same Bible, right? Okay. A new framework that is so inspiring, that's yeah. so helpful, that's not dogmatic. Yeah. That is not rigid. Okay. That is not exclusive. It's it is filled with love. It's yes. filled with acceptance. It's very malleable, and 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 it's and you realize the Bible's designed to act this way. It's not trying to communicate fundamentalist-leaning Christians, evangelical Christians in particular, want to modernize the Bible by reading these ancient laws about X, Y, Z, all like, and then apply those in 2023 and say, well, this is what, it's clearly what the Bible says. You know, it's not designed to work that way. And they're very subjective in how they use that, right? You're supposed to stone people who work on the Sabbath right? How many churches have services on Saturday? And right? Sunday. So are we going to line people up and execute oh, them? Oh, I don't do it no more, so I'm not getting you know stoned, I mean? but yeah. I, I'm going to have to call some of our friends and they getting stoned tonight. Yeah. Hey, there's your joke. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> that could have been you like, it, it could have been like two jokes, like really stoned or like <laughs> stoned. Yeah. Like, I don't hey, know. Like, yeah, that's it. It played twice. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it is meant to be, every yeah. generation is meant to engage with the text without dogma and, and, and grapple with how it, what it looks like in, a, in our modern context. But really, I think there's a more fundamental way of engaging with that, which you and I kind of started talking about a little bit here. I don't know if we have time to get into it. We do have time stuff, to get into it, but we're going to pause right here. I'm okay. going to thank people for listening. We're going to come right back. So it's going to be, it's gonna be two, uh, two parts, okay? I would like to thank my sponsors and my co-host, Derek Logan, and remind you to like, comment, and subscribe. I want to thank Claiborne Urban Loops. Remember to subscribe and share. It's totally free. And uh, you can give and receive. Come on, I need to raise money for season four. Give and receive. Hallelujah. Follow us on IG at NSFC Podcast. Till the next time, Jesus is for everybody. <laughs> he's for everybody. I believe he's for everybody. You ain't got to accept them. Do you, do you, boo? But I love them. Period. <laughs>